So if you've been with us the last few weeks, uh, we've, and if you haven't, we've been going through Heroes of the Faith. And last week, Rosie talked about Abraham. And this week, I'm talking from the ladies' side. I like Sarah. She's my girl. So we're going to talk, talk about Sarah this morning, uh, today. And I'm going to pick up a passage of scripture. And um, I'm going to give some context afterwards. And we'll be reading from Genesis 17. <clears throat> when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said... I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abraham fell face down and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abraham. Sorry, Abraham, your name will be Abraham for I have made you father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will bless nations of you. Kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. A bit further down, we go to verse nine. The covenant you are to keep, every male amongst you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. <clears throat> verse 15. God also said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be a mother of nations. Kings of people will come from her. Abraham fell, fell face down again. He's done this a few times now, hasn't he? He laughed and he said to himself, will a son be more born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham said to God, if only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Then God said, yes, but Sarah, your wife, will bear your son, and, she, and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him, an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. Next chapter in Genesis, the Lord appears to Abraham again, and we go to verse 10. I will surely return to you this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent, which was behind him, which is to say, Gurley was eavesdropping on the conversation between God and Abraham. <laughs> Verse 12, so Sarah laughed to herself and she thought, after I am worn out and my Lord or Abraham is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I didn't laugh, but he said, yes, she did laugh. <laughs> Don't you love the Bible? I think the Bible is banter. She's like, no, I didn't. He's like, yeah, you did. Chapter 21, Isaac's born, verse 6. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears this will laugh with me. I'm going to set a little bit of context before I get into this this morning. You've got Abraham and Sarah, and before this passage, God had already told them that they were going to have kids, and they were like, How? In fact, the way that the Bible says it is that Abraham was as good as dead. Does anyone feel like that on a Monday morning? <laughs> Lord knows I feel like that. He's like, I see you, Anna. Here's your coffee. As good as dead. They're like, how's this going to happen? So they go to their servant girl, Hagar. He sleeps with her and they have a child, Ishmael. And this is where we pick up the story. God appears again and he's like, guys, this isn't what I intended. So he starts to tell them what we've just read. And there are three invitations that I feel that God has for us through this scripture. And the first one is the invitation into identity. And uh, last week I was, I was shopping and I had a real 
bad headache. I get migraines sometimes. And um, I, was, I was having this real bad headache. So I went into Sainsbury's, picked up some migraine tablets, went to the counter, and the lady looked at me and she went, mm, how old are you? And I was like, I'm 32. These aren't you meant to be 16 to get headache tablets? I was like, I'm, I'm 32. And she went, oh, I don't know. What's your date of birth? I was like, is she joking? I was like, this is a compliment. So I told her, and she went, I'm really, okay, tell me, tell me what job you do if you're, if you're 32. And I went, oh, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> but I'm training to be a priest. And she went, right. She's like, you can take the tablets, but you do need your ID because you're supposed to be 16 years old. I was like, bro, I've just brought eye cream for my eye wrinkles, a 16-year-old. She was like, can you tell me a better lie? Anyway, I left, and I was like, to be fair on her, I'm well acquainted with my flaws. I used to look at myself as well and be like, you, Church of England, training to be a priest, God must be a comedian, me. And then I voice noted my mates on the way out. <laughs> I was like, you'll never guess what's just happened. And I was laughing because I was like, God's so kind. In the last six years, he's taken me on such a journey of identity. And I'm going to pick up that story about Sainsbury's in a second. But if we look at the passage in Genesis... 17 verse 15, God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you're no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. And you'll no longer be called Abraham. You'll be called Abraham. You see, Sarai means princess, but Sarah means my princess. Abraham, sorry, Abraham means exalted father. Abraham means father of nations. They weren't living in their promise yet. They didn't have loads of kids yet. Sarah was in the midst of her shame. This is when she'd said, go to Hagar, sleep with her. And God said, you know what? I actually draw near to you. And he promotes their identity and he promotes um, their purpose in life. No longer is he exalted father. No longer is she princess. God says, I associate myself with you and I call you mine. I'm not going to leave you. I'm drawing closer to you. That's the heart of God. And these are the two that messed up, who didn't listen to God. They did their own thing, went their own way. In fact, it's in the midst of their mess that God labels them. It's in the midst of their mess that he prophesies over them a new identity. Abraham was called father before he became it. And Sarah was called my princess, God's princess, in the midst of her shame. God calls us sometimes somewhere before we can see the fruit of it. Back in the day, there's no way if you said that I was going to be doing what I'm doing now. I'm so acquainted with my past. But does God, does God deny me of my future? No. Does my past look like a typical clergy person? Absolutely not. Does God call me to ministry anyway? Absolutely yes. Does anything stop the Lord? Is anything too impossible for the Lord? No. It's just our job to show up. And step into the journey that God invites us to. That's all we have to do. Even when we mess up. Even when we go our own way. It's our job to show up. And it's God's job to be faithful to us. He will make it happen. When we try to do it ourselves. Abraham and Sarah had gone to Hagar. She was the servant girl. And they had Ishmael. The word Hagar, the name Hagar, means abandoned or forsaken. And Ishmael means God hears, God listens. And when we try and do things in our own strength, when we try and do things and make things happen, when we can't quite work out how it's going to happen, it's easy to mentally go to that place where we feel abandoned. But God listens. 
He hears the cry of your heart. He heard the prayer that you prayed 10 years ago that you're still waiting for the answer from. And he heard that exhale when you felt hope deferred. God listens, you're not abandoned. He hears you, he listens to you. Abraham and Sarah were given a new name, a new purpose, regardless of if they saw it, the, fruit, the fruit of it yet. It doesn't matter how far you've gone. It doesn't matter the mess you've made, the shame you feel, or the stuff that you've done. God loves you and he draws near to you. He listens to you. He gives you purpose. He places identity on you. What is God calling you that you need to step back into alignment with and say, I received that for myself. I might not be seeing the fruit of it yet, but I'm receiving it to be the future for me. I might not see the evidence or the promise, but I know he's called me. Don't let shame get in the way of you receiving God's love, of you receiving his identity for you, purpose and promise for your life. So what is the identity? What is the purpose and promise for your life? Your identity is loved, chosen, wanted, free, healed, forgiven, restored and redeemed. That's what he calls you and it's up to us if we receive it. You might not feel it, but he calls you it anyway. Sarah might not have felt like God's princess in the midst of a shame, but he called her it anyway. Abraham might not have seen nations come from him yet, but God called him first and then he became it. What's your purpose? What's your promise? He calls you son and daughter. So living in the identity and the purpose comes from by receiving it from God and accepting that it is for you. The second invitation is to trust the timing. In the next chapter, Genesis, God says, I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. If you're anything like me, we're often so quick to crack the code, to solve the mystery, be like, receive the word from God and been like, thank you. And then we expect like a Google invitation with all the schedule on how it's gonna happen. And we try and work it out. We receive the promise and we're like, well, what if it doesn't happen? What if I don't see it? What if, what if I got that word wrong? And Sarah was trying to work out how it was gonna happen. God the creator of the universe shows up to them and even gives them a deadline. He says this time next year and they're still like, how though? How's it gonna happen? They still doubt it. Doubt can be a wonderful defense mechanism because it prevents us from being disappointed when we don't see the fruit, when we don't see God come through. So we just, we doubt the word or we try and find another way of it happening or we try and work it out because we can't quite see the timing of it yet. And then, as you guys know, I, well, you might not know, I used to live in California. So I've got a rogue hair going on. I, try, I lived in California, and when I moved back, I was getting the tube, and I'd had loads of prophetic words about um, favor and ministry at that time, but I wasn't doing anything in ministry. I was working for a church, but I wasn't, like, doing ministry, whatever. So I was trying to work out, how is this going to happen? Like, I don't understand. I've got these words. How do I steward them? How do you steward favor? What even is favor? And I'm processing all of this stuff. And um, I'm a bit of a creature of habit. I don't know about you. Put your hand up. Are you a creature of habit at home? Are you a creature of habit? Yeah, okay. So I'm getting onto the tube, and I'm like, why do I always sit in the same carriage in the same seat? Am I okay? So I know this sounds weird, but I prayed, and I was like, Lord, where do you want me to sit today? Never done it since. So I went to the end carriage, and I was like, I'm just going to sit here. <laughs> Putney Bridge, processing, favor, how do you steward it? Ministry, how am I going to get there? Next tube stop, Parsons Green. This girl gets on the tube, looks at me, makes a beeline for me. She goes, I don't know who you are, but I'm a Christian. I was like, 
lay it on me, prophesy over me. <laughs> You're in, this is fertile ground, talk to me. She goes, I don't know who you are, I'm a Christian, but there's so much favor on your life. And the way that you need to steward it is to go low and go slow. And it's in the humility and the patience you'll find the favor. I was like, what? She jumps off the tube, never saw her again at that point. Go back home. I tell my housemates about it. I was like, guys, you'll never guess what's happened. So I told them this story. And one of my housemates goes, who is this girl? I was like, honestly, I don't know. All I know is she's called Maggie. She's from LA, lives in London now. My housemate was like, is this her? Shows me a picture. I was like, how do you know that? She goes, Anna, two weeks before you moved into your bedroom, she moved out of your bedroom. I was like, what? And we didn't even know each other. And a year later, I'm at the Alpha course hosting a, hosting a group, 900 people in the room. Who sits next to me? <laughs> Maggie. Amazing. Why? Because God's the best choreographer. He's the best choreographer. He knows the schedule. He knows the timing. And he doesn't make mistakes. It's okay to doubt, it's okay to worry, but don't stay in that place. He does it way better than we could have. He is the best choreographer. You might be sitting there thinking, how is this promise gonna unfold? Trust the timing, lean into the invitation. All we need to do is trust God and rest. He will make it happen. God's choreography is the best. He knows what you need, when you need it, what you need to hear, listen to God. God listens. Ishmael, God listens. You're not abandoned. He knows your life. He knows how it's going to unfold. He says to Sarah and Abraham, he knows the appointed time. Appointed, what's that? It means planned ahead of time. It's a done deal. Already sorted. It's in the schedule. It's going to happen. It's appointed. And they doubt it, but it's fine. They, they, you need to steward the relationship. We've got to steward the time and say, God, what are you, what are you saying? It's appointed. Cool. I'm just going to step into the stream then and trust that you're faithful. There's consistency with his word. It doesn't return void. Listen to God. There's purpose in the promise and there's fruit in the waiting season too. Just stay faithful. It's easy to doubt, but trust that he's consistent. Just because you're seeing it doesn't, right now doesn't mean it's not going to happen. His timing is better than anything we know. He's appointed. You have a planned ahead, specific time in your life for that thing that you're believing for. And if God's brought it to you, all you need to do is rest and say yes. And the final invitation is the invitation to share your testimony. Chapter 21, Isaac's born. We go to verse 6. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter. And everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. She gives birth to Isaac. Isaac name, Isaac's name meaning is one who laughs. She said, God's brought me laughter. And everyone who hears this testimony is going to laugh with me and take it as their testimony as well. What's your testimony? What's God bringing you? After everything Sarah had been through, the shame, the disappointment, the confusion, going her own way, God brought her laughter. It was her testimony. And she says, everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. <clears throat> And she says it'll be a testimony that other people can join in on as well. If you don't know a bit of, a bit of my journey, my journey with my self-esteem has been a journey and a half. It's taken its time. And for me, I used to, I used to seriously like hate myself. I was in a relationship where I was told I wasn't smart, I wasn't funny to dial down my personality. My body was compared to women on the other side of a screen and I was at an all-time low. I'd called the Samaritans, I was in a mess. And I literally had nowhere else to turn. The only option I had was to trust that 
maybe God's opinion of me is good. And it took its time, but I started to grow in my faith. I started to grow in my confidence with God. I started to think, maybe he does want me to have life and life in all of its fullness. And it took its time, but I started to meditate on God's word. So what I did was I went into a meeting room and I'd be like, I've got something valuable to say. When I looked in the mirror, I started to think, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made and God didn't make a mistake. I'm not an exception to the rule. I started to make jokes with my friends and I might not have a PhD, but I'm still intelligent and I'm intelligent in my own way. I'm creative and I'm intuitive. That's who God made me to be. And I'm saying that because that's my testimony. And I know that when I speak to people, it can encourage them that if God did it in me, he can do it in anyone. And that's my testimony that I share with you. So it's your testimony too. And that's what Sarah did. She's like, everyone that hears about this, this is their testimony too. They'll also have laughter. They'll also bring, God will also bring them joy. And it took time. It didn't happen overnight, but she carried it with her. She nurtured it. Might not see it on the outside, but she carried it with her. It was on the inside. We all have a testimony to share. He can use us broken and fragile, but we all have something that those around us will look at our lives and be like, if it happened in you, I'm receiving that for myself. It might be like, well, you might not see it right now, but I've got a promise and I'm carrying it on the inside. It might be a situation at work where it's difficult with your boss and it's challenging in that place, but if God has called you, it's on the inside. Well, you might not see it right now, but God's birthing something in you and his promise is faithful to completion. It might be in your marriage, it might be difficult, but you're believing God for a promise, you're believing God for a breakthrough, and it might be really hard, but it's on the inside. Keep growing, keep going, it's birthed in you. It might not see it right now, but it's developing and it's nurturing. You might be called to preach to the nations, but you're in your nine to five job. It's growing on the inside. Just keep stewarding that word. Keep believing for it. It might be a financial breakthrough that you're like, how is this going to happen? And people around you might think that you're nuts. But if God's promised it, grow it on the inside. It might take its time, but he's faithful. He knows your appointed time. He doesn't mess around. He is faithful all the time. What's amazing about this is in Hebrews 11, when it talks about Sarah, it says the authority of Sarah's faith rested on the one who made the promise. The authority of Sarah's faith rested on the one who made the promise in the first place, which is to say she can rest, she can lean into God's timing. He promised it. So she can, she can rest in her faith because it's in Jesus anyway. Let the authority of your faith rest in the one who made your promise, whatever it is, big or small. Trust, go back to God and say, you said it, so I'm resting in your, in your goodness. The authority of the faith rests in the one who made the promise. It's on the inside. Let it carry in you. Let it be birthed to the world for all to see. It might take its time. It might take 10 years. He's birthing it in you, and you will see the fruit. It's on the inside. It will one day be a testimony to those around you to share. I'd love to invite the band up. I'm going to come into land in a minute. But there's a thought that I, I found when I read this scripture. And when God promises Sarah and Abraham descendants, he says two things. One, that they're faithful to God. And two, that every man that comes from them will be circumcised. Circumcision back in the day was a demonstration of the covenant between man and God. A sign of his everlasting promise. It's God saying, if you do this, I'll keep my end up of the bargain. But there's an Arabic word, and it means to circumcise. And this root word is taken into the Hebrew, 
and it's used for the word bridegroom. But how do these two words link? Bridegroom and circumcision. Back in the day, the Old Testament was filled with law and duty and rules, and circumcision was one of those rules. It resembled that everlasting covenant, but Jesus came to conquer the law, to conquer death, hell, and the grave, to win your heart. And there was a new covenant, no longer circumcision law. There was a new covenant, the bridegroom, Jesus, and we're the bride. And the new covenant is an everlasting promise to his faithfulness, no longer law, but love, and a love that loves you to death. So this story, heroes of the faith, what's the point? The point is that it always leads to Jesus. He's faithful to his word. He's our new covenant, our bridegroom. And I'm gonna close in a second. But when I read this scripture in Hebrews and it goes through all the heroes of the faith, it gets to Sarah and it said, even Sarah, when she went her own way, when she did her own thing, the doubt, the confusion, even Sarah, hero of the faith, even Anna, fragile, insecure, redeemed, even Anna, and even you, hero of the faith, in hope deferred, in the confusion, you're set free, even you, and even a pandemic. God might not ordain it, but he can use it and he can be faithful to it, and he hasn't forgotten you. You're not abandoned, he's with you, he's in the midst, Our job is just to step in and say, God, show me my identity. Help me to trust the timing and let me share the testimony to those around me. He's faithful and the Bible says that he thoroughly completes his work in you. Amen.